0: Hacker Public Radio, my name's Nightwise, long-time HPR listener, first-time contributor to the big HPR feed. I was triggered by Dave Yates, who said in one of the recent HPR episodes that in order for us to enjoy Hacker Public Radio, we all needed to do our little bit for the community, and chip in. So here I am with my little podcast for the Hacker Public Radio feed. Much like Dave, I am also podcasting while traveling. I don't have a Honda Civic. It's an Audi A3. I don't travel at 75 miles an hour. I travel at kilometers an hour, and judging by the meter right now, that's about 140 kilometers an hour as I plow through the freeways of Belgium, Europe. Um, Today I want to give you a little oversight of my personal SSH server, my personal Linux SSH server, and what kinds of things I do on there and how I let it work for me, a cute little piece of technology that I have found many myriads of uses for. Many of you will be geeky enough to set one up, if not I'll give you some uh, pointers at the end, Uh, but uh, most of you will probably be picking up some nice tips on how you can let uh, very simple server like that with just one open port, do a whole lot of things for you. Now, hardware wise, my SSH server, my Linux SSH server, is a zombie, which means that it has been well pronounced dead, buried, discarded, and reused. Uh, I found an old Pentium 3 Compact NC600 laptop at the dump where we have a special recycling quarter for electronics and stuff like that. So, as I was uh, taking everything to the recycling containers, paper to paper, plastic to plastic, I passed the electronics uh, recycling uh, heap, actually, where everybody just piles everything on up and it is amazing to see just what you can find down there. I mean, people throw away entire computers, and that's where I saw this little uh, compact laptop sticking out from beneath the uh, discarded blenders, toaster machines, and uh, old VCRs. So I decided to pick it up and take it home, along with the power supply that was lying nearby, so that was a good thing, and basically salvage it for parts. But um, as I took a closer look at it, I was a little bit disappointed to see that the screen was uh, cracked and that the uh, keyboard of that laptop was actually bent and some of the keys were missing. So we are talking uh, busted keys and a busted screen. Now that kind of means that for some people that laptop was a lost cause, but I just uh, decided to hook up an external screen, an external keyboard, boot it up and see what it did. Uh, it turned out that it was a Pentium 3 I think a 1 gigahertz processor and it had 512 megabytes of space on board the battery was still working so uh, not for long I think I measured it about an hour and then it drained but uh, it was at the time running some version of Windows 2000 I think I didn't even uh, bothered to uh, try to boot into the operating system or look for data i'm not like that but what i did found out that this was indeed still a working computer with a working hard drive so it would be a nice project to set it to work what i did is i uh, installed uh, ubuntu 8.10 server on there the uh, command line version only of course the cli version and uh, gave it a static IP using an external monitor and an external uh, keyboard. So I, was, I managed to configure it and I basically plugged it into our home network and uh, forgot about it when it came to connecting any kind of hardware to it. Basically it was just a little beige box that I had, that, uh, I had mounted against the wall underneath the stairs nice, next to the router and that is where it stayed. I used it to uh, experiment uh, a little bit with Linux, but uh, in order to do that, because I didn't have a keyboard and a mouse, I needed to install the OpenSSH server. Now, for those of you who don't know, this is a server functionality of Linux, which allows you to connect through a secure tunnel and uh, control your uh, Linux server via a terminal on another machine. So basically for the remote purposes of administrating the machine, via my own local network i installed ssh if you don't know how to do that on ubuntu it's very simple just go sudo apt get space install space open ssh space server and hit enter will install the open SSH server right away. Now this left me with a working server on port 22 which I could access locally to play around with Linux. It actually didn't uh, stop there because slowly but surely I was really getting the hang of all of this and uh, I started using command-line applications. Now the three command-line applications that I use on that server the most are basically uh, the applications that I use every day. Uh, using a terminal that can be on my Linux machine uh, in-house the or that can be on a Mac or I don't have any Windows machines but if I did I could use PuTTY. I would just connect locally to the uh, Linux machine to the Linux server over SSH and start up three applications that I use. One of them is CenterIM. For those of you who want to install it that's sudo space app dash get space center im. And Centurim is a uh, command-line version of uh, MSN Messenger and Pigeon. So it allowed me to do a command-line version of uh, my most used uh, instant messaging programs like uh, ICQ. I still have some people on there. MSN, I have some people that chat using MSN and I absolutely detest the MSN uh, application itself. And Google Talk. So it took me some time to figure it out, but uh, once I had it up and running it was a very light and convenient way to have uh, instant message conversations. Basically instead of going around installing a client on every computer that I owned, I would just install the terminal client, connect to the SSH server that I was running, and run Centrim from there. Centrim lets you talk to uh, a myriad of uh, protocols, MSN, Google Talk, ICQ, um, Will let you add and remove contacts and files and stuff, but basically has almost no CPU footprint. If you are absolutely tired of those Java based or those Flash based uh, widgets and winks and God knows what that you get via MSN and even on Pigeon, Centrim is a great program to work with. The uh, second program that I use quite a lot is uh, irssi, or Arisi as it's called. irssi is the way that it's spelled, and that is a command line based IRC program. Really, really love that too. Uh, what I basically used it for in the beginning was as a IRC client. I would just connect to the uh, Linux server that I was running and uh, launch irssi and chat on IRC channels, for example on Freenode, where you have uh, hash ubuntu-uk, hash ubuntu, god knows what, there are all kinds of channels out there that you can chat on, and I also found this interface very, very pleasing. I was used to um, to, uh, using MIRC back when I was in my Windows days, and I didn't really find a cool alternative on the Mac, and I also really didn't really like XChat so I was kind of stuck with what am I going to use. IRSSI was for me a beautiful and again light command-line interface that allowed me to do just what I wanted to do and um, you know talk and chat and God knows what so that was really really great to use. Uh, The good thing about uh, IRSSI again using the SSH interface was that I could launch it from any machine. If I was on my Mac I would just connect over SSH to the SSH server and run IRSSI over there. If I was on a Windows machine, I could do it uh, using PuTTY. If I was on another Linux machine, I didn't have to bother installing stuff. Basically, I had those applications running on my Linux SSH server. Remember the, uh, the, the Frankenstein-ish laptop with the broken keyboard and the broken uh, screen that was just you know shoveled somewhere underneath the stairs and was operating perfectly. The third application that I've come to know and love on my uh, command line based server, if I can call it like that, is Alpine. Alpine is a mail uh, program, a mail client that is highly customizable, but that works very nice with uh, applications like uh, with with protocols like Gmail. So I did some Googling and I found a nice how-to on connecting Alpine to your Gmail via the IMAP account because basically I don't want to pull in any of my mail, I just want to leave it up in the cloud, I'm very happy with that, and since I regularly switch computers, operating systems and locations, it was really nice to have it running as a a cloud-based service. So with Alpine, I connect to my Gmail using the IMAP protocol, and it gives me a very light and very fast way to connect to uh, my email, and uh, it works Great. So uh, I love Alpine. If once you get the uh, keyboard shortcuts uh, in your fingers, you can really cleanly and fluently and quickly uh, reply to emails, read your emails. It's a command line interface. It looks good. It lets you very productively and very um, well, very lightly browse through your emails and use the email communication protocol as it's called, to do your communication. No hassle with uh, Clippy, no hassle with uh, graphical user interface, just plain old email. It's not like it's uh, a Telnet interface where you have to uh, really type in a lot. You can just navigate with the keys and some keyboard strokes, and it's a really nice alternative for a mail client. So those are the the three programs that I basically used a lot, and uh, I was using my SSH server as a terminal server. Now, what I did next was connect my SSH server to the internet. I have a router that supports the DIN DNS services, so never mind the fact that I had a dynamic IP, my router kept uh, updating the dynamic IP to uh, the service of uh, DIN DNS, so I could uh, basically set up a dynamic uh, host IP, or a dynamic host name, that allowed me to connect back to my home server from anywhere. Now you have to take security in mind because uh, the most straightforward solution is opening up port 22 on your router and redirecting it via the NAT to, your, to, to the port 22 on your SSH server but I wouldn't do that because you know port 22 people who do a port scan know like okay that's port 22 that's probably the SSH protocol so I'm going to try a brute force attack. Now I did uh, leave this port open for the first couple of days, and I checked my uh, auth, uh, my authority log, the uh, slash var slash log slash auth. I think uh, at least the uh, access logs, and you could really see people trying uh, complete libraries of. Uh, of, of login names and password combinations. So if you open your SSH server up to the web, make sure that you choose a good uh, password and a, and a pretty wanky, pretty, pretty wacky username. That way it's uh, harder for people to do a brute force attack. And the second line of security is, old, is uh, of course, setting the uh, IP on the router side different from the IP on the inside. What I mean by that is that I have actually forwarded port... 2222 on the outside uh, in, uh, on the outside connector of my uh, router, of the the outside interface of my router, to port 22 on the uh, inside interface of my laptop, of my SSH server. So, if I'm outside, I connect to port 2222. That's 2222, and it's get it gets natted to port 22 on the inside. If I'm on the inside of my network, I just connect to port. 22, and I don't have any problem with that. The great thing is that if people do see that port 2222 on my router is open, they don't really have an idea which protocol uh, is behind it and what they should use to have to try to gain access to my network. So that's a good thing. Now, once I had my little router opened up to the internet, it really became interesting. Um. I work as a consultant, which means that I regularly switch PCs and I regularly switch operating systems and locations, so I was looking for a way to, uh, you know, be able to read my mails, uh, check my RRC things, and uh, check my instant messages without having to install a client on every computer. Sometimes I'm on the, the PC of a client, sometimes I'm on a work computer, sometimes and God knows where, so it's not always that convenient. Especially if you work in the corporate sector, it's not always a good idea to do all these services unprotected behind a proxy because uh, your company might be monitoring that and uh, if they need a stick to throw at you, you'll probably get uh, some excerpts from some lock file. And basically, I'm not really a big fan of that. So what I did is I installed putty on my... Uh, USB stick, portable version of PuTTY, which is portable by default. So whenever I get stuck on a Mac or a Linux machine, I have the terminal at my discretion. Or And whenever I'm stuck on a Windows machine, I just pop in my USB stick and run PuTTY. Using PuTTY, I can connect to my server at home and actually run those applications that I have installed on my home server. And the great thing is that the connection between you and your server so you at work or at a hotspot where you don't want people to sniff what you're doing. Um, and the computer at home where the actual application is running is completely encrypted. And the internet traffic that is uh, requested by your applications of, uh, for example, Alpine, uh, IRC Chat, centrim, stuff like that, starts from your server. So the the traffic never gets routed through your uh, unsecured network, whether on a hotspot or if you're at a client or at work God knows what. It's a nice secure tunnel in between both of them. One of the essential applications that you want to use here is the application Screen. Screen is kind of what, what tabs are for Windows. It enables you to have multiple terminal sessions open at the same time, have two open on the same screen or flip through them. So you can actually go to one application using a keystroke, go to the other application and so forth. So instead of just having one terminal window open and having that terminal terminated when you disconnect, you can actually leave the session running. So this was really cool for me. I started to have uh, IRSSI running all the time I started uh, to have um, my Alpine running all the time, and if necessary, I uh, ran my uh, instant messaging client Centrim all the time. I would just connect to the screen sessions using my terminal clients, whether that be Windows, Linux, or a Mac. So it was a great way to have a terminal server and actually leave those applications running those applications running when I wasn't even connected really really handy to do and especially nice if uh, you want to you know stay connected to IRC and just check out what's in the what's going on in the channel or you want to leave your instant messaging client on uh, because you might get some messages from friends and stuff so using the combination of the SSH server and the application screen I was able to do just that but the story doesn't really end here you can even use your SSH server server to go one step beyond all of this and use it as a secure tunnel. So let's say you're on a hotspot an open Wi-Fi, and you need to surf around. You need to do some web pages. As we all know, hotspots or unsecured networks are dangerous when it comes to privacy issues. People can sniff your traffic, so it's not very wise to sniff un- to surf unencryptedly. On an open network, what you want to do is use that very SSH tunnel to set up a uh, encrypted connection to your SSH server and serve from there. Using Putty, and there are hardwares available on this. I'll see if I can uh, shove some along in the show notes. You can actually tell Firefox to use your Putty program as a local proxy server. It will then traffic all of your all of your data through that local proxy server. Now of course your PuTTY is connected to your home server over SSH. That way, if you have it all set up and you surf to a certain web page, Firefox will pipe the HTTP request through PuTTY, PuTTY will pipe it through the SSH connection to your SSH server at home, and from there the actual request will leave the internet and will come back to you. So it's a great way to surf all kinds of sites without ever being noticed. The only thing that the people see on the unprotected network is that you have a SSH connection uh, set up to some dynamic IP somewhere, but whatever you are doing uh, inside this tunnel is completely opaque. It's a very nice way to do some secure surfing, but I've also loved to use it as an HTTP tunnel to configure some of the web-based interfaces on my home network. If I needed to configure my router, if I needed to take a look at my LAN, if I needed to uh, to configure the Webmin interface that I also have running on my server, I would just pipe my traffic through the SSH tunnel and access not only the internet IPs, but also the local IPs on my own private network. Very, very convenient. Now, one of the uh, other things that you can also use this connection for is, of course, as a file sharing Uh, well not a file storage capacity using uh, FileZilla you can actually send files back and forth from uh, any machine through that SSH connection to your home server and uh, what I did is on my home server I mounted several local shares and uh, by using SSH I connected using FileZilla through the SSH connection to my home server, my home SSH server, and even via there uh, connect to other shares of my NAS and what have you throughout my entire network. And it was all using that one simple SSH connection. So all I had was just one port that was open and I had it locked down pretty securely by using an extensive username and password combination. So that is all Kind of cool things that you can do with your SSH server. So if you are run on random computers and uh, are working throughout a random myriad of networks, secure, non-secure, an SSH connection, one simple port can really do a very uh, big deal for you. And uh, I have uh, lived through port 22. I say sometimes, so it's a really convenient way. To use a very simple yet secure protocol. To have it completely in action, I really have a party with it when I do uh, when I go out and have my ultra portable netbook with me. I have an Acer Aspire One. If I'm on a free Wi-Fi or I'm at family or God knows what, and I need to do stuff, I just uh, whip out my uh, my ultra portable. Uh, it runs Linux 8.10, it's the easy peasy distro that I have running on my Acer Aspire 1. My Acer Aspire 1 has a 4 gig drive which is not a lot but what I do is by going to the places menu I have made a secure connection to my SSH server and I made a secure file connection to it and I can use that file connection whenever I want to. So instead of having things stored uh, consistently on my netbook which has a uh, storage issues, as you might know, I just use the uh, Ubuntu uh, places connect to server functionality to connect directly to the files on my SSH server through an SSH tunnel straight in GNOME. So it's really nice to have all those files right really close to me. If I want to run some applications and I don't want to tax the processor uh, of my... uh, of my uh, Ultra Portable, I just open up an SSH server and run those applications be it Centrim, IRSSI, Alpine, God knows what. I just basically use my Ultra Portable as a small SSH terminal device to uh, connect to the server device that I have running at home. And it's really, really nice. I even do big downloads while I'm away and I can check on downloads using the command W get. I sometimes activate the downloads of uh, a certain application. I leave uh, the WGET session running in-screen. I can disconnect, connect to it later, see if everything's in. I use um, the SSH server as a uh, podcatcher using uh, Bash Potter. I let it download some of the podcasts. And I can really connect to it just about from everywhere using just about any system over just one So if you're not really into uh, installing an SSH server, don't worry, I have a screencast on my personal website that tells you how to do it. Uh, If you want to know, if you want to learn more about Alpine and Centering, you can always send me an email via my own personal website or uh, you can just Google around and find nice and easy how-tos and how to use all these simple but very convenient applications. So that was all for Hacker Public Radio for this episode. It's been a delight uh, finally contributing to all of this. Uh, It's been an honor, and I really, really like it. Now, as for your questions and feedback, you can always find me at my personal website. That's www.nightwise.com. that's K-N-I-G-H-T-W-I-S-E.com, where I host a weekly podcast called The Nightcast, a screencast called KWTV, and there are, of course, of course, also some daily articles. So that was ni- this was Nightwise for Hacker Public Radio, signing off and uh, telling you to have a great time toying around with your Thank own Thank you for listening to Hacker Public setup. Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting news.